You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Go Wild. Now, if you guys haven't had the opportunity to check out the Go Wild app, you need to do so. It is an app that is dedicated to the outdoor enthusiast, fishermen, hunters, outdoorsmen of all kinds can join this community and do it in relatively a stress-free environment you know unlike other social media apps that will censor your harvest shots or may not have your best interests in mind go wild is designed by hunters and fishermen and outdoor enthusiasts by hunters and fishermen and outdoor enthusiasts and the best way to do that is to go wherever you currently download your apps search go wild and your and you will find it or you can visit their website for more information time to go wild.com welcome to the nine finger chronicles podcast brought to you by exodus trail cameras the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. All right, happy Monday, all you whitetail knuckleheads out there. I'm a little frustrated because it is, let's see, it's like seven days into the season and I haven't even got the opportunity to hunt yet. Now, I know a lot of that is probably my own fault, but with a busy schedule with two jobs, I have three kids and a wife who also has multiple jobs. Scheduling is a nightmare right now, and when I do get the opportunity to hunt, it seems like Mother Nature's throwing me a curveball. For example, Saturday morning and Sunday morning here in Iowa, I had the opportunity, you know, that was scheduled, you know, okay, get out, go hunt. And it was thunderstorming. And I don't know about you, but this early in the game, I am not going to jump into a timber, do a morning run and gun in the dark setup in the pouring rain with lightning striking all around me. I don't think that's a risk I'm willing to take at this point. So I haven't been hunting yet. That's going to change. It looks like there's going to be a break in the weather uh, this upcoming Thursday, and I'm going to hopefully be able to get out that evening and uh, jump into some, you know, like I'm going to be a little bit more aggressive in my in my approach this year, and uh, I'm going to be hunting on a farm closer to the house, at least until my quote-unquote rutcation. Uh, so I'm going to be pretty aggressive on that farm, jump into some bedding areas, uh, try to get downwind and get close to where I think some of these bucks are, uh, you know, are bedding. And I think 
that's going to allow me to see if there's anything sticking around, you know, worth sticking around for on, on this local farm and on this public land that butts up to this uh, local farm that I have. So uh, the goal is to get aggressive, see what's in there, check it look for sign and if it's not worth hunting then i'm going to jump down to my main farm uh that's uh you know quite a ways away from where i live uh, that i don't get the opportunity to hunt as much until the rut vacation and start jumping into some of those places down there that are have historically been good then jump into the the rotation right check the trail cameras uh, and look for something that meets my goal or what I think is a good representation of the of a, a big buck in that area uh, and just go for it. So that's what's happening in my world as far as hunting is concerned. I got my gear ready. I mean, I spent this past weekend putting together my, uh, what I guess I would call my run and gun setup. Um, I'm using a different pack this year. It's from Outdoorsman. It's a muley pack. It's uh, a smaller pack. Uh, and then I'm using a Lone Wolf Assault and Lone Wolf Sticks as my, uh, you know, my stand and sticks. And I think that's going to be able to get me wherever I need to go. And I'm excited to start playing around with that because just as much as I like hunting, I like tinkering with my gear to try to find the best possible uh, uh, the best possible combination for my gear to make my setups and tear downs and my running guns as efficient and quiet as humanly possible. And uh, I think that uh, this year's setup is a great next step and a, and a great macro adjustment for what I really need to uh, do. And hopefully it all works out. Now, on today's podcast, we're going to be joined by returning guest and outdoor writer Scott Bestel. And today, Scott and I have a discussion that I really haven't heard on a lot of other podcasts. And that is for the guys out there who want to take the next step, right? And what I mean by the next step, I mean by trying to harvest either a buck with bigger antlers or a buck from an older age class and a lot of that goes hand in hand right so if you if you want to shoot a buck with bigger antlers there's more more than likely it's going to be a buck that's of a higher age class you know not necessarily but you know I would say statistically that's accurate now we're going to discuss a lot of things of what we can do to take that next step not only from a strategy standpoint but for the mental side of it right and and having to be willing to maybe even eat your tag so that's something that a lot of hunters may or may not like to do but if you are serious about taking that next step and wanting to harvest an either an older age class or a buck with bigger antlers uh, there's going to have to be some sacrifice and we have a great discussion about that today uh, and hopefully you guys enjoy it if you guys are in fact looking for forward to taking that next step in your hunting career and uh, you know improving yourself and uh, I guess you would say maybe your wall or your goals or whatever but that's what today's podcast is about now before we get into today's podcast 
if you guys haven't had the opportunity to check out um, some software, online software called Deer Lab, and you're a trail camera freak, I highly suggest you guys take advantage of this. And the reason I say that is because it kind of goes hand in hand in what we're talking about today on today's podcast, and that is being able to take that next step, uh, identify an older age class or a bigger buck, and then try to go and kill them. So what Deer Lab does is... You take all of the trail camera pictures that you've gathered throughout the years and years. I have, man, I want to say 12 years of trail camera pictures that I have entered into Deer Lab. Now, what's that do? That allows me to forecast deer movement, even break it down to specific deer, right? If I've passed a deer for two or three years and now I find him as a quote-unquote shooter, I can identify that particular buck and then identify which areas of the farm he likes to visit based off of weather conditions. So we're talking uh, maybe even moon phase, wind direction, time of year. A lot of that plays into this forecasting. So all this old data that your trail cameras are telling you gets put into Deer Lab and Deer Lab then calculates it and you can break it down in several different ways and there's one way to do that and that's to go to Deer Lab and sign up for a membership and if you go to deerlab.com slash nine fingers you'll be able to sign up for a free 30-day trial period and there's no better time to do that right now because we have i mean it's october and the rut's coming so it's going to flow over into the rut and you're going to be able to take advantage of that data from all your past trail camera pictures and you know i'm not going to sit here and and tell you the details of how you need to upload everything it's it's very simple all that instruction is on deer lab Um, so Go over to DeerLab.com, give it a look, and uh, man, take advantage of it. I'm a huge believer, uh, and I've even had some really good encounters based off of that the information that Deer Lab provides me. So, just take a look into it. Now, I've successfully talked too much, hoard myself out in this uh, intro here. So, I think the best thing to do now is get into today's podcast with returning guest and outdoor writer Scott Bestel. All right, everybody, back again for the, I don't know how many, how many times you've been on, but Scott Bestel's back on the podcast. How you doing, man? I'm great. How are you, Dan? Good to, good to hear from you again. Yeah, same to you. Have you been out in a tree at all this year? Yeah, I have been. Uh, we opened here in Minnesota mid-September, so I've been out uh, only four or five times, not a ton. Uh, it's just been kind of hectic work-wise but uh you know you slip out when you can i was just out last night had an awesome hunt we had a big cool front come through and uh i felt like i had to get out there and i was glad i I'm glad i did i saw a bunch of deer yeah have you ever seen that kermit the frog uh meme where he's looking out the window and the window's all wet and i don't, it's just it's something sad but that was my life yesterday because i'm watching this cold front come through iowa i'm getting buddies text me and they're texting me, oh, my God, it, the deer are moving tonight. And here I am with my three kids playing daddy daycare while the wife is out doing something. So I uh, – And pulling the – and you're, you felt like Kermit. Yeah. 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 Just woe is me type. Oh, shucks, you know. Yeah, exactly. We've all been there, and it won't, be the, it won't be the last time in either of our lives, I don't think. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I was kind of like being a grown – 
grown up baby yesterday kind of pouting and be like, well, I should be in a tree. My friends are in a tree. Why can't I be in a tree? You know, <laughs> it's called the cattle hissy fit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> exactly. I, I, yeah, I've thrown more of the, more than a few little tantrums in my day. <laughs> so, so have you, while on the opportunities that you have got to get out, have you seen anything promising or are you chasing a specific buck this year? Yeah, I've got a couple uh, that are kind of, uh, one in particular is kind of haunting me and my neighbor. I've got two neighbors that I hunt with. We're kind of all buds and we, uh, we hunt some of the same stuff and we, but we share a lot of, a lot of, you know, trail camping stories and all that. So there's kind of two that we're, uh, that we're really excited about and, and no doubt there'll be, you know, one or two more that pop up that surprise us. But yeah, we've got, we've got one that we've, uh, he's been a real frequent flyer on our cameras. And, uh, as a matter of fact, his nickname is the flyer buck. He's got matching, matching flyers off each of his G2s and, uh, he just exploded this year. I mean, he just, I bet he put on 30, 40 inches. And so, yeah, we're, uh, we're kind of wanting to see him. My, my one neighbor actually had him at 25 yards on opening night and, was at full draw. Um, the buck was in a fight with another, excuse me, another buck. And, uh, he's like, well, all he's got to do is turn right. And this is over. And, uh, the fight broke up and the flyer buck walked straight away from him. Man. <laughs> he lives to fight another day. <laughs> not necessarily, uh, not necessarily a buck fight per se, but I've had my fair share of encounters where the deer will come Maybe a perfect example would be a rattling sequence, right? Where you rattle or you call and the deer looks your way. And instead of looping, he comes straight to you and stands at 10 yards looking away. And then something happens where he either makes a quick move or just takes like a step, one of those steps where they, it's almost like they take a step backwards and curl around Yep. and then yep. walk straight away. And you're just left exactly. there. You're left there going, what the hell just happened? how do I get him within 10 yards and he doesn't have an arrow in him? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, as my friend, I have a good friend who's a former outfitter and one of the smartest deer hunters I know. And he's like, dude, big bucks are just lucky. I mean, he said, just pay attention. How many times that you can't explain how they get away except for just sheer luck. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? You've got a lot. There's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. For every time a hunter gets lucky shooting a big buck, a big buck gets lucky when he skirts by. Exactly. It's just, it's, it's uncanny sometimes, you know, so, yep. So other than Minnesota, any other states that you are going to or already have been this year? Yeah, I took a brief, uh, uh, Kind of, it was kind of more of a scouting foray than a than a real serious hunt, but I, I've got a uh, tag for Western Kansas, a place that I've hunted for many many years, and uh, this tag is really special to me because it's an either species tag. I can kill a mule deer or a whitetail, and uh, I've always I've never shot I've shot a mule deer with a muzzleloader, but never a nice buck with my bow, and uh, so I'm really kind of that's kind of my kind of my big hunt for the year. I'm hoping to go back. So I went out in September. Uh, did some scouting and uh, hopefully in November I'll go back and have a chance at one. Well, I tell you what, man, uh, when you say either species, I know I got some buddies that live out in western Kansas or some guys that I know, and they have some gagger mule deer out there as well. So um, I'll, oh, yep. I'll send some good vibes your way. I, I appreciate that because, yeah, they have some. 
they have some amazing deer. I've, I've been around muleys on many, many hunts, you know, out West and, uh, seriously, some of the best muley bucks I've ever seen have been in Western Kansas. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's, that's definitely a species on my bucket list. Not necessarily a, a big one per se, but a, right. just a, a good representation of the species. You're, you and I are on the same page on that one. Doesn't have to be a, doesn't have to be a behemoth, but just a good solid muley buck that you know you take with a bow, and uh, that would be that'd be a one to check off the list. Yep. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. While we're on the topic, and this has nothing to do with today's topic uh, about this podcast, but what is your bucket list? Do you, I mean, what species have you already harvested, and are there any other species that are still uh, need to be checked off? Um, well, I really don't, I really don't have a lot because I've just, I, I don't know, I've had so much fun uh, over the years and I don't know, maybe my, maybe getting older, my priorities have shifted a little bit, but I definitely, so I want a muley with my bow and I want a bull moose with my bow. Those are my two, if I could make those happen. Yeah. And I've got, uh, I think I've got 15 Wyoming points towards the moose. So one of these years I'm going to do that. Um, my cousin and I, we made a blood, a blood oath many years ago. We were out in uh, Mont or Wyoming muley hunting and we started encountering all these moose and so we started applying for points so we've always had this deal that whoever draws the moose tag the other guy goes along to scout and pack meat and he drew his two years ago killed a nice bull on the bridger national forest on the first day and i was there to i did all did we went out in august and scouted and i was part of that and he got the bull and i helped pack it out and uh, so that was just the whole that was one of the greatest hunts of my life and i never had a bow in my hand and so one of the you know next couple of years it'll be my turn and we'll do it all over again. So that'll be that's kind of one of my bucket list deals. Yep. So quick question: What is the preference points for a moose draw out in Wyoming right now? How many? Do you oh, need? this is what's so it's so brutal. Yeah. So when we started, it was seven dollars a point, and you needed about eight to ten to draw one of the best areas. I mean, on the planet for Shiras moose. And now, so then we started putting our names in that. We're like, shoot, $7 a point, you know, bring them on. Well, we did that for about four years, and they raised it to $75 a point. (laughs) And it's it's now up to, I think, well, he had 15 points when he drew his tag, and I'm at 15, and uh, I could probably draw in in a couple different areas. So, yeah, it it takes some time and money to, you know, to rack that up. And then what's the tag cost? I think it's $1,500. Yeah, for a non-resident. So yeah, by the you've got you got a couple grand just in tags, but you know you I mean it's an honest to goodness DIY hunt. I mean we went out there in August and we were on you know national forest and BLM the whole time and finding finding good moose areas on our own and did the hunt on our own and so you know yeah we you know he had he had several thousand bucks into it, but I mean it would have cost a lot more with an outfitter and we had the satisfaction of knowing we did it you know. A to Z all on our own, which was pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah, that is kind of cool. All right. So I want to talk about today's topic now, and that is for the guy or gal, the hunter, who has maybe harvested the same thing for the past five years or 10 years, and they're looking to make a jump either in age class or make a jump in antler size, right? So uh, there's two scenarios here. Uh, one is, hey, man, I've shot like 
10, 120 inch deer, I want to now look for a 140 or maybe a 150. Uh, the second scenario is, man, I kill these yearlings every single year. Now I want to kill a three-year-old or a four-year-old. Um, and I want today's conversation to, to revolve around that uh, as far as what these hunters need to do in order to accomplish that goal. And then I think the best way to start is with this question. So Scott, how many years have you been hunting? Ooh, boy. So bow or deer or just, you know, total, what? total, total. How many years have you been hunting? Uh, this will be 46, I think. Yep. 46 years. Okay. So yep. that's, that's great because a lot of things, not only for, from a strategy standpoint, but from a thought process standpoint has probably changed in those 40 plus years, right? Yeah, I think so. Yep. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope I made some progress in a few areas, but that's what. <laughs> so, so my question to you is when in your hunting career, or maybe it was even before a quote unquote, a career, right? Cause you're an outdoor writer. Where, right. where in that line, in that 40 plus years, did you make a decision that it was like, man, I've shot enough of the same deer. Now I want to try to take a step up and kill a higher caliber deer. Yeah, I can remember that very vividly. It's a great question. And I think almost all, uh, all hunters go through this at one, at some point. Um, but yeah, my cousin and I, um, my cousin and I are like best friends. We grew up hunting together. And, you know, we were kind of known as like the buck slayers in our group, you know, and we were, and so we felt pretty good about ourselves, you know, but we were, we were like 20, you know, right, right. <laughs> and uh, then we, you know, we were talking one day and I can remember two things really vividly. Um, we were talking at one point and we saw these deer on a cover of, I think it was outdoor life. It was a pair of really great bucks. They're running through the woods together towards the photographer. And my cousin turned to me and he said, wouldn't it be cool if we lived in an area that had genetics to produce deer like that? And I was like, yeah, that would be. And, and it's so funny. I laugh at that because we had the genetics. We were just killing our deer before they got big enough. Right. <laughs> and so what we made, so we made that realization, you know, a couple of years later. And then we were like, you know, we've got all these bucks and we can fit all their antlers into a couple five gallon pails. And wouldn't it be nice to just have one where you could go, yeah, we don't, we don't need a pail for that one. <laughs> Right. And so it was like, well, what do we do to, you know, to get to that next level? And it was just clear to us, we just had to start letting young bucks walk. And, you know, that, that sounds like such a duh thing right now, but we're talking, you know, 1983 or something like that. Right. <laughs> that was a long time ago. And, and we, so we started telling our friends and our, you know, the neighbors that hunt around us were like, you know, we're just, we're going to start letting some of these bucks walk. And they, I mean, they were like, yeah, go ahead. And then we'll kill them. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's where, that's where QDMA was back then, you know? And uh, so, but yeah, you, you make that realization where, okay, I can, I've proven that I can kill basket racks, six and eight pointers the rest of my life. Now, maybe I want to raise the bar a little higher. Yep. So you said, let them walk. And that's for me, when I made the decision to, and I haven't harvested a lot of deer with my bow. Like I've only been seriously hunting for 12 years, right? And 2006 mm -hmm. was my first year of jumping 100% into bow hunting and being aggressive with not only strategy and tactics, but like what I really wanted to go after. And a lot of people find that like you say, hey, 
I want to let some of these walk, but that becomes almost like the razor's edge, right? You're going to fall one way or the other, and you're going to fall hard because that first deer that comes in, something that you're completely used to and you've taken for the last five years, that first pass, for me, I know it was, was really hard. Um, so you bet. for, for me, either share on a couple of your experiences or maybe even talk to us about what someone can do to maybe make that those first couple passes easier. Yeah. Um, well, it's a, it's a great question. And man, I tell you what, this plays out in so many different ways for different people. I mean, I've got another cousin and he's just about as old as I am, you know, so about as old as dirt. And he just cannot, I mean, he shot some good deer in his career, uh, you know, but he just cannot abide the fact of eating a buck tag every year. He, you know, he just can't get over that. And, and to, for me personally, when I realized that, you know what, I can, the season can close and my buck tag can sit there unpunched. And you know what, the next day I'm going to get up and the sun's going to shine. <laughs> I'm not any less of a deer hunter. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, and you know, it's almost like for me, it was like, I'm going to, instead of hanging my hat on the one, you know, mediocre buck I killed, I'm going to hang my hat on how many I let walk. And I know that was another thing that um, my friends and I sometimes, you know, would share is like, boy, you should have seen the one that I let pass today. And it was, man, it was so cool to watch him do this and that after he walked past my gun or bow. And, uh, and, you know, that kind of became a, a, like a point of pride in itself. And uh, so, yeah, you just have to kind of, you have to kind of sit down and have a talk with yourself and say, you know, Hey killer, it's okay to let one go once in a while. And it's okay to let a whole bunch of them go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you just, and you know, I, to me, the, the caveat or the, the bone that I would throw people that are trying to make that first step is, is you're going to learn things about buck behavior way more. You're going to, you're going to learn more about bucks by just watching bucks and not killing them. Yeah, um, absolutely. and little yeah, bucks absolutely. will, will teach you, things about big bucks that are going to come in really handy later on. And I mean, you know how it is. I mean, when a buck walks in there into your wheelhouse and you want to, you know, run an arrow or a bullet through them and watch them pile up. I mean, that, the lesson stops as soon as that, as soon as that uh, shot is made. And man, I tell you what, you let that deer go by and you know, he makes a scrape or he chases a doe or he interacts with another buck or he beds down. I mean, there's a million different things that he can do. And all those things go into your little hopper of tricks of, Oh, I've seen a buck do this before, you know? And, um, I tell you, that's a, that, that was a big, that was a big thing for me, uh, to finally make that realization. Uh, I'll give an example here. And this was like, Oh, four or five years ago. I made the decision that I had two bucks on trail camera coming, coming through this pinch point. And one of them I, I was going after and another one, it's one of those bucks where you're like, please don't show up because I don't know if I have the willpower to not shoot you. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh. I thought, yeah, I, 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 yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. So, yeah. So, so I, I end up, I end up passing this buck. Right. And this buck taught me a lot about buck behavior, like you just mentioned, because what he did when he like I was in a, I was in a pretty aggressive position to where anything that got by me had the potential to bust me right to mm-hmm. to bust me. Mm-hmm. But I had the advantage if they came, they both are the that one buck came from this direction. I let him pass and I watched 
him get downwind of me and 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 in a way bust me. And mm-hmm. what he did and how he acted and how he left and how he entered the um, this area that I was hunting was was like this huge aha moment for me, right? Of mm-hmm. oh my god, I'm not even I'm not set up in the right spot because what he, mm. uh, I was able or he was able to get downwind to me so easily. I should have been up a little bit so my wind was cutting into the cattle pasture and not cutting into the timber. So it was just one, one of those things where oh my god, I I learned something from letting a buck pa- up this buck walk. And although I didn't have an encounter with a buck I was after and eventually ate my tag that year, um, I, mm-hmm. you know, I was able to walk away with something positive. Absolutely. And those, yeah. And those, I mean, what, like you said, what a, what a lesson you learned right there just by letting a deer, you know, live for a few more minutes than you would have, you know, in, in yeah. another year. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. I had one too. In fact, one of the biggest bucks I've ever shot with a bow. I'll never forget. Uh, he, he exhibited two behaviors that I had learned by watching other bucks. So this buck came walking into me. It was a really nice uh, mainframe 10. He came walking in and he got about 15 yards away from me. His vitals were hidden by a tree, so I couldn't shoot him at that point. But he stood there forever and ever and ever. And he was totally relaxed. And all of a sudden I saw his, his posture kind of change and he started licking his nose. Well, you know, 20 years before that, that would have meant nothing to me. But because I had watched a lot of deer and a lot of bucks, I'm like, that deer is trying to smell better because that's what they do when they're, you know, when they start licking their nose, they're trying to get more moisture up there because their nose functions better when it's not dry. I'm like, he's trying to smell something. And I'm like, the only thing he can be trying to smell is he must have got a whiff of me. And uh, I thought I had the win, but, you know, but I clearly didn't have it perfect. So anyway, then he took a step backwards and another step backwards. And I go, that's not a good sign. Yeah. (laughs) That deer is getting nervous and he wants to go. And so I went from, I've got all the time in the world to kill this deer to thinking the first chance I get at this buck, that's legitimate. I got to shoot him or he's not, or he's getting away. That's just the way it was. And and so I did, I, I got my, I got ready. And the the minute he gave me a shot, I took it and I, and I killed him. And uh, I know you know, when I, I look back at that hunt many, many times, because it's one of my, one of my, not only my best bucks, one of my favorite memories, because I, I shot him with a recurve the year before my kids were born. And those, uh, so anyway, it's a really memorable deer. And I just was, I just remember thinking, going over that hunt and thinking, you know, I, I knew enough, I knew enough watching that deer that I, I knew, you know, I knew what I had to do. And, um, so yeah, it's a great point. I mean, that's, that's the way you learn is by watching other deer. Absolutely. So what are some other things that, and maybe let's talk about, well, they both age class and antlers in, in some way go hand in hand, but what, mm-hmm. what does a hunter need to do other than let smaller deer go in order for them to be successful with, you know, whatever you want, older age class or bigger antlers? Well, you know, I, I used to be, a I used to be a coach and, uh, and I was an athlete and I'm, I'm really big on like goal setting and setting reasonable goals. And, uh, so, you know, it's one thing to look at a 200 inch deer on a cover of magazine and say, I want that. And then it's, of course, it's another thing to have that be a realistic goal to go after, you know, even a, you know, even a 160 in mo- in most places is a pretty rare critter. Um, so I think you have to decide, well, 
you know, what is a reasonable goal for me if I'm going to start climbing this ladder? And I do liken it to a ladder because it's, you know, you, you kind of go a step at a time and take it a little further, you know, every, uh, as you proceed. Um, so, you, you know, you have to decide, well, what's a reasonable goal um, either for my area or um, if, if my goal is, you know, if, if I'm in, um, uh, well, where I grew up hunting, you know, if you killed a two-year-old back, you know, back then, you were really doing something. So if you're going to kill a 150, you need to go somewhere else because you're not killing a 150 there. <laughs> right. Um, so you have to, you kind of have to decide, you know, what, what's the step I want to take? And then what am I willing to do to, to take that step? Um, uh, and if, you know, if it's, passing a bunch of young bucks in your area to let them get to another age class. Um, and are, are there hunters going to be helping you with that? I mean, it's going to take you a little while, but if, you know, if you want to, it's like, Hey, I got to kill a 140. That's my goal. Well, then you got to figure out where 140s live. Um, you might have to travel to a different state or wait for a special draw hunt or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, like kind of what you're saying is that it's almost like if you want to kill a specific range of deer, age class or antler size, it's almost like you have to step up your scouting game and yep. and more scouting and maybe a little bit less hunting. That's a huge, you know, most of the, I mean, I'm, I'm like you, I get, I'm lucky enough to talk to a lot of really good deer hunters every year. And uh, I mean, I learn a little bit from every one of them and boy, if there's a common thread among the really successful guys and gals I know is that, you know, they spend, they spend way more time running trail cameras, spotting fields, you know, um, than they do actually with, you know, just sitting in a tree stand. I mean, you really have to, uh, big bu- and big bucks will demand that from you. Cause they're just, they're just, for one thing, there's just not that many of them, even in really good areas. They're still fairly, you know, what I, I wouldn't say, I don't know if rare is the right word, but there's just fewer of them. So, you know, it's harder to find them. And then they just, they tend to kind of behave a little bit differently um, than other deer. So yeah, you're going to, you're going to have to work a little harder to, to, to get on them. How much of this do you think is actually just retraining yourself or teaching yourself to think differently, right? Cause most people say, I'm going to go out in the woods and I'm going to hunt when that mm-hmm. may not be the best thing to do when you're, you're wanting to step up. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. You, you, you know, in order, I mean, mature bucks are just, they're better at survival. I don't, I don't like to use the word smart that much because I don't think they think like human beings do. Um, but they're just, uh, you know, for one thing, they're, they tend to get lazier as they get older, so they don't move as much. And then they're just really tuned into things that are foreign to their world. And so, yeah, you have to be a lot smarter and more disciplined yourself to, to kill them. And, and you have to recognize you know, Hey, I've got X, Y, Z and they're all good spots, but there are, there are times when stand X, you just, you don't want to be in there. You know, you need to, and you need to figure those things out. And so it can take, you know, it takes some discipline. And, uh, and I think, you know, you kind of alluded to it. It's, it's more a question of hunting, hunting smart and not hard, you know? Right. Right. Now, you know, we, we often hear, I don't know, high quality hunts, right. And that would be, you know, Uh, we talked about cold fronts coming through, right. Uh, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. maybe some other times where a, the likelihood of a kill is very low. And obviously we, we hear the saying all the time, you can't kill them if you're on the couch, but you can't kill them if you cannonball into the timber. Right. So, (laughs) right. Yep. So 
what what are some things that you know once once maybe we've located a deer that we say okay this is through you know through scouting we've located this deer and now we have to make a move on it you know and we can talk a little bit about strategy now what are some things that we are going to do to harvest this this specific buck that meets your new criteria versus what we would have done if we were just going out and hunting, you know, regular, like what we've done every year? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And, and I think it's different on every deer. I mean, um, you know, and you, you know, this from your, your, your hunting experience that, you know, bucks have different personalities. I mean, right. some of them are really, really relaxed, you know, and they, you know, they're not, some of them are just aren't, aren't afraid to move in daylight and they're, you know, they're not intimidated by other deer. And so, you know, that, that deer behaves completely different than a really shy buck. That's, you know, and especially, and I think, I think shy can be a, 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 just a personality thing, or it can be kind of a product of their environment. You know, I mean, if, if there, if there's guys bombing through the timber all the time, you know, he's shy just by default because he doesn't want, you know, he's a prey species. He doesn't want things killing him. <laughs> so you, you have to kind of, I, I think, it, you know, that depends on every, it's well slightly different for every deer, but you know, as a general rule, I prefer to go outside in, you know, I prefer to start less aggressive. And then as I learn a little bit more about the deer go, Ooh, you know, I think I can do this and you know, make this little move and get at them. Um, but I, you know, I'm, and again, I think, I, again, I think it's a mindset thing. You have to be, you have, you have to be prepared for a lot of little failures, you know, that you're going to try this and it didn't work. Okay. Well, that's fine. Um, you know, doesn't mean I screwed it up or doesn't mean I'm a bad hunter. Uh, just means it didn't work, you know? And so now I'm going to try this. And, um, but I think, I think as a, as a general mindset, when you go into hunting mature bucks, I mean, you just have to prepare yourself that it's going to be harder. I mean, it's, you know, I don't care how good a deer hunter, I don't care if you killed 50, 110 inch deer, you know, uh, when, when you start, start on the 150 deer, um, they're going to hand you your butt quite a, quite a bit. (laughs) Right. And obviously uh, more people are going to be more successful with the, you know, one and two year old deer than they are with the three, four and up for the pure statistical reason that there are more one and two year olds than there are three and four year olds. Absolutely. That's a huge, that's a huge thing. And, you know, yeah, one, one of the reasons that we are, that it is so easy to be successful on, on a year and a half old bucks is there's just a bunch of them, you know? Yep. <laughs> um, and so, so it's a, it's a little bit more of a target rich environment. And then you get, you know, you get to a one, you know, 130, 140, what, you know, start climbing the ladder a bit and they just, they generally go, you know, it's just tougher to find them. I'm just shocked in my area. I mean, we're, my neighbors and I pass a lot of, a lot of nice deer that, you know, most people would be proud to shoot. And I'm, I'm amazed at how many of those deer over the years we have found dead after the season, no apparent cause of death. I mean, one of the biggest bucks I hunted here in the last five years found him. I went out to hunt that buck specifically uh, on a late season hunt. And I kind of knew the food plot I thought he would be using. And I went there to scout that just to, I want to just kind of verify that the wind is going to be right for tonight. And, you know, maybe I catch a track that I think might be him. And I walked into the food plot that night and he was laying in the food plot dead as a hammer. And he had, there were no visible wounds to him. He just, you know, so what, you know, did he get in a buck fight a month before and finally succumb to the injury or so, you know, they just lead a hard life and they're just not that many of them around. It's, it's tough. Yeah. 
that, that makes a great point. Like mother nature is cruel. Oh boy. <laughs> Indeed. Cruel. Yeah. 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 So other than, you know, other than, you know, now having to really focus on your strategy, right? I mean, you get less, you know, there, there's obviously more yearlings and two-year-olds. There's less mm-hmm. two and three-year-olds, which, you know, we can, we can equate age with also bigger racks because typically everywhere mm-hmm. that you go, the older a buck gets, you know, for the most part, the bigger his rack gets, right? So we right. can, we can yep. talk, we can talk about the same thing, but when we when we go to take that you know when we go to take that next step and we've done the scouting now and we're in a place where we um you know where we're chasing that next level buck and now he comes in right and this is something that even myself today i still have to talk myself out from completely losing control right <laughs> What advice? Me too, brother. <laughs> <laughs> what advice can you give someone who, you know, hey, they've worked hard, and now the moment of truth is actually coming, and they, you know, th- this buck that they've they've never shot before, they're only in their dreams, and now it's walking right at them. What are some things that they can do to to get the job done from the moment they see them to the moment it's time to draw back and, and shoot them? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. And again, I think that's a little, it's a little different for everybody. I think you have to find out what works for you. It's really, it's really my cousin, another cousin that I have, I, I've got a lot of cousins and a lot of them hunt. <laughs> but anyway, this, my cousin, Mark is a bit, is a great recurve shooter. He's, he started shooting recurve many, many years ago and he's, he still hunts with one. And anyway, um, we, we talk a lot about this kind of thing and we were chatting one time and he said, you know, um, he said, when I, he's a former athlete and a, and a coach. Um, and he goes, when I see a nice one coming, I just ramp myself up. I'm like, it's like, it's game time. You know, I got to go and I just, you know, let's get this done and, you know, try to get this laser focus. And, and it's like, he kind of, he kind of supercharges himself. And I said, God, that is, that is amazing. Cause I said, I do exactly the opposite. Right. <laughs> I tell myself, this isn't going to happen. Something's going to go wrong here. <laughs> and I'm just going to have fun watching this deer, you know? Right. <laughs> it's like I'm preparing myself for failure, probably because I've seen it so many times, you know? Um, but no, I have to calm myself way down. I have to really, and I, I literally tell myself, breathe in a square, you know, like in, out, in. <laughs> I mean, I have to almost get like Zen, like, you know, kind of meditative and just, really just really relaxed and just okay so what's your shot sequence and i have to talk myself through it and and my cousin my cousin is just exactly the opposite it's like let's let's go let's bring it you know let's get him (laughs) and um so you know i think we all have to find out what works for us um but the mental aspect is just that's a huge thing you know i interviewed a really really good bow hunter from northern wisconsin a few years back and he and his brothers are just they're just flat out killers they kill great bucks in some of the country's toughest, you know, big deer country. And, and we were talking about this one time and I said, you know, I basically asked him the same question. He says, you know what, here's the thing. He says, I think there's four stages to trophy hunting. He says, number one, you don't know enough about big deer to kill them. 
he said, you know, you've killed a bunch of little ones or you don't have the experience. And he said, you just don't know enough about big deer and how they behave to get close to them. So he said, then you get step that hurdle. And he said, then you go to number two, which is, okay, I'm learning more and I'm starting to see big deer, but I can't, I can't get the shot, you know, I'm, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm making contact, you know, <laughs> and then stage three is you're getting them in your wheelhouse and you just can't get it done. And you said, this is the absolute hardest stage to get through because you have to look in the mirror and go, buddy, it's you, you're screwing it up. And then you have to figure out how, you know, what you're doing and, and find a way to figure it out. He said, you know, uh, you know, people call it buck fever or target panic or performance anxiety or whatever it is. And he says, you have to find a way to get over that hump. And, and he said, it, it probably is different for everybody. You know, one guy gets supercharged, one guy goes into this happy place and, you know, but it, you have to figure out how to get, you know, the arrow or the bolt into that deer. And he said, once you figure that out, then you're in stage four, which he said, I call, I don't care anymore. And he says, then you really kill them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you've got it figured out, you know what you need to do to perform under that. And then he said, then you just start, he said, you're in cruise control because you know, you know, big deer, you know how to get on big deer. And when they come into you, you're like, I've done this before. I can do this. You know, it's, it's no big deal. And he said, that's when I really started racking up deer. But he said that stage three can be really hard to get past. Yeah, man, that's, that's great. Because I don't think like I, I'm just now getting to st- the stage where I am locating and finding big deer consistently. Now mm-hmm. it's just a matter of killing them, right? Because yep. I've ha- you know I've had my I've had my fair share of things that were my fault or things that didn't go right. Whether he you know he took the wrong trail, where I should have been up the ridge a little bit further on you know I don't know where maybe there was more sign and I I wasn't observant observant enough. So this, my goal this year is to just, when I walk into the timber, I'm a sponge and all I want to do is absorb as much information as possible that allows me to make the best possible decisions. Yep. Yep. No, that's a great, and that's a great place to be. Um, you know, the, and you know, another big mental hurdle I think for a lot of guys to, to accept is, um, you know, don't, don't take it personally. I mean, when you fail, because they're, they're going to find the chinks in your armor. I mean, just think about it. You know, they're, they're out there for one thing, they've survived, you know, three, four or five years of, of a lot of things that could, you know, everything ever, since they've been wearing spots, just about everything in the, in their world wants to eat them, you know? Yes. <laughs> so they're pretty darn, they're pretty darn good at what they do. And, and we're out there part-time, you know, we just want to kill a big deer. Right. So, you know, they're going to, they're going to hoodwink us more often than not. And so, and it's, I think it's a huge thing. You know, again, this is this thing of accepting failure and learn and learning from it. You know, um, not a bad guy, still a good deer hunter, just couldn't get it done today, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, so they're going to, yeah. Anyway, they, I'm amazed. Um, it seems like, you know, the real, again, I've, I've talked to a ton of really, really good deer hunters and, I'm amazed almost to a man. They're like, you know, the more I do this. And I mean, these are guys that are putting monsters on the wall every year and almost to a man. They're like, you know, it seems like the more I hunt, the less I feel like I know. I mean, (laughs) just because they're, you know, the whitetail is such a dynamic critter and they're, and they're different no matter where they live. And each deer is different than the other deer. And uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's a, it's, I don't know. I think that's why, I think that's why they're so fascinating to us. If it was easy, you know, if everybody could go out and 
you know, it's like going out and catching a bluegill, you know, we, most fishermen are like, well, you know, catching bluegills, what's the big deal? But then, you know, okay, now go catch a 10 pound bass. Well, that's a different thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what do you think that hunters can do mentally to prepare for a situation like that? Is, is there anything? You mean in terms of doing the the shooting itself? Well, either the shooting or just like preparing, because I've noticed over the years and I, I think I'm pretty good at it now where I would get tired and, you know, let's say you're on a rut vacation and you're, you're like mm-hmm. three, four days into it. You've done a lot, some all day sits you've set up, you've, t- you know, you've torn down and now you're starting to get tired. And when you get tired, mm-hmm. you don't make good decisions. So right. is, is there anything that we can do preseason or postseason or any time of the, the year to prepare us for this, this new thought process that we're about to undertake? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I think that, uh, I think you just have to, well, for me, I'll, I'll talk about myself. I, it's really important for me to always remember that this is about fun. You know, I want it to be, I want it to be fun. I want to enjoy it. And so, um, you know, you talk about the grinded out rut vacation. I've been there and you know, there's some days where it's like, you know what? I'm just kind of frying out physically. Maybe I should go take a nap in the truck for an hour and I'll feel better. And that, that kind of works. So I think you have to find the little things that help you, you know, stay focused and, and, uh, and, and keep charging. Cause I mean, they are going to, you know, big deer are going to demand a lot. Um, and the other thing is, I mean, I just think it's really important to reflect on, on deer that you, you know, what deer have taught you. Um, I like to, I, I like to go back, you know, and reflect on kills that I've made or deer that I've goofed up on and, and just try to remember what lessons were learned there. And I love to talk to other hunters. And I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by deer stories because they're all different. And if you, you know, if you get a guy or gal that have killed a nice one and just, you know, listen to their story and try to figure out, Hey, you know, maybe there's something in there that I can use for my, for my experience. But, um, I don't know for me, just overall, I just want to remember that that hunting is fun. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to have I'm going to have a good time no matter what, and um, you know that that keeps my battery charged and and it makes me remember that it's not all about you know about punching a tag. Um, boy, you know I I was on Kansas just last fall and I got out there and this is really pocket cover. I mean, there's just little you know three and five and ten acre chunks of timber out in the middle of nowhere. And so, you know, it's, you know, the, the scouting and the hunting is, is actually, it's, it's fairly easy. I mean, you just go into these spots and, you know, the deer, either the sign is there or it's not there. And anyway, long story short, I got out there and another group had gotten permission to hunt the same ground I had. And they were in all of my honey holes. I mean, literally all of them. So I went to the landowner and I'm like, Hey, I'm just bumping heads with these guys. I said, I don't want to screw them up. I don't want them screwing me up. Is there some little chunk of timber you can point me to that maybe they don't know about? And I felt even kind of silly asking that because I mean, I'm just hunting here by his good graces. And he's like, you know what? There is a little, little patch. I don't think they know about that. And they, he told me about it and I went there and I'm like, okay, this is my spot. And I've got three days left in my hunt and I'm just going to, I'm just going to have a good time here because, you know, my only other alternative is going home. I mean, all my honey holes have got 
they've got guys in them, you know? Right. So I just settled in there and, uh, and I thought, well, you know, I'm alone. I'm having a quality hunt now. This is good. The buck sign wasn't that great, but I'm like, Hey, I'm in, I'm in Western Kansas. I'm not working and I'm going to have a good time. And on the very last morning of my hunt, I rattled in a hundred and I don't know, he was pushing 160, but anyway, I rattled him in and, and I shot him. I'm like, holy cow, I didn't even need that, you know, but, but thank you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's awesome. uh, anyway, I tell you, the, so you've got, you've got to enjoy the process, I think is the, is the big thing. You know, if, if, if your total, if your total value of the hunt is putting your hand on a big old chunk of bone, um, I would argue maybe your priorities aren't, aren't in the right place. And I think, you're going to put your hands on a whole lot more bone if your priorities are right. You know, if you're, if you're intent on learning about deer, I'm becoming a better hunter and I'm, and I'm becoming a better, you know, killer. I mean, cause you, that's what you got to do. You, you got to learn how to kill deer efficiently and, you know, and come through in, in some pretty high pressure situations. And that, you know, if you're, if you focus on those three things, then, then the, then the big antlers in your hands are going to come. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I just hope that, my my goal is to take everything that you basically described there and like that's what I want my season to be like. I want to I want to really focus on not being in my cubicle at work and <laughs> because that that cubicle man it drains you and <laughs> sitting yep. and sitting in a tree stand is the opposite. It energizes me and it, I feel great when I am out in the, the woods. And that's what I really want to focus on along with all the other stuff, right? The, the being a sponge and really focusing on scouting and being observant and just watching what deer do. And I think that, you know, of all the things that you said, if a guy can follow that and, and have the willpower to see it through, I definitely think that they, uh, that they could run into some, like one of you know potentially their their biggest deer ever. Now, some some parts of the country, right? You're not gonna find a 140 class deer. You're just straight up not gonna find yep. it. So well, I grew up hunting them. Yep, yep absolutely. <laughs> so to those guys who maybe want to start thinking about, they they come to the realization, hey, if I want to kill this caliber of deer, I gotta leave. I gotta go someplace else. What are mm-hmm. some, what are some of the first things that they need to do to, I guess, find that next place that they need to go? Um, well, for me, it was, uh, it was talking to other deer hunters and, uh, you know, you know what, it's funny. Cause a lot of times it's natural, you know, it's, it's kind of human nature to be jealous or standoffish around somebody that's, or, or in awe of somebody that's really successful and I would say, you know, quit that right. <laughs> and just go up there and talk to them because it's amazing how many, you know, really successful deer hunters, you, they just want they're happy to talk about what they do and, and, uh, and, and, you know, where they do it and how they get it done. And, uh, yeah, one of my, one guy that, uh, has become a great friend of mine, you know, we, we live in Minnesota and the Iowa border is only, you know, half hour, 40 minutes away. And, um, my friend Bob was killing some great deer down there and I knew it was on public land. And I just said to him one time, I said, you know, I hate asking you this, but could you just give me like characteristics of the public spots you're killing these deer in? And he's like, why don't we just take a drive? 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> and, but he was like, hey, hey, man, we're only going to draw this tag every four years, and we're not on the same, you know, we're not on the same schedule. So he said, I'll just, I'll just show you the places I can hunt. And he did, and you know, I had some great hunting there. So it's it's not always that easy, but you know, do your research. And sometimes the best research you can do isn't with a record book or a, you know a magazine article. It's just talking to other guys and um, and gals and figuring out you know what to do. And and again, you you know, I think I think you have to set your set a reasonable goal. You know, if I want to kill a hundred and forty inch deer where are the places that, you know, have those deer and what am I, you know, do they offer an opportunity? Is it public land? Is there a draw hunt? Is there, you know, um, I mean, if you want to go outfitter, some people are, you know, totally happy to do that. And I, I don't begrudge that one bit, but if you're going to do it on your own, I mean, it's obviously going to take a little more legwork and research. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Any final thoughts or maybe something that we didn't cover that needs to be covered about, you know, taking that next step and shooting a, a better buck than what you know and and that's uh that's i don't know if is it is it subjective that's the word right it's it's subjective to what is a better buck because everybody's idea of that is different right so you know when we talk about this it's all about what you are thinking right what you feel is a better a better buck is there anything that we missed or maybe maybe needs to be taken into consideration when trying to take that next step yeah, I, you know, Dan, I think that's the the last point you brought up is huge to me. It's very dear to my heart. Um, you know, and I'm being an outdoor writer, I'm guilty of this. Uh, so magazines and TV and the internet and da 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 have kind of have kind of got our some of our visions kind of cattywampus on on whitetails, you know, and we we see guys killing a 150 or you know on TV or we see you know I mean. I did a story just a couple of years ago called the 200 inch club about, you know, guys that had killed more than one 200 inch deer. And I'm like, this is just bizarre. This is like talking to, you know, like interviewing rock stars because they don't live like most of us do. Um, so yeah, it's huge to me to keep it in perspective. I mean, the guy, and I sincerely believe this, the guy in Pennsylvania that kills the oldest buck in his neighborhood every year. And I don't care what it scores. I mean, he's, he's done something huge. I don't care what the record books say. I don't care what the, you know, inches of antler say or whatever. I mean, we have to decide what our, what our goals are and be, and, uh, and, and have them realistic. Uh, you know, it's really interesting. I've known Mark Drury for many, many years. I mean, we kind of got into the industry about the same time and we were chatting one time I was interviewing him about big deer and, you know, obviously he hunts, hunts for and kills some whoppers every year. He said, you know, I don't care if it's Southern Iowa, North Missouri. He says, I go all over the place. And he said, you get 150, 160 inch deer. That's a hard critter to find. And I, my jaw just dropped. Cause I'm like, this is a guy that's, you know, has killed a 200 inch deer. And, you know, I mean, I just did a late season article story on him and he, you know, his biggest late season buck is 191. I've never even seen a 191. <laughs> so, but you know, he said, Hey man, 150 inches, that's tough to, that's tough to find, you know? So it was a good reality check. And I think we all need that. You know, when we talk about hunting the quote unquote big buck, well, you know, define big, what is it, you know? And, and oh, the thing that nothing breaks my heart more than a guy that shoots a deer and then says, you know, Oh, he could have had another year. What if he had that G2 little, you know, it's like, no, that's the deer. 
(laughs) That's him right there. He grew what mother nature gave him and you were, you know, you decide to take him, man, embrace it, be proud of it. And you know, if you, okay, if you want to set the bar higher next year, up to you, but don't feel bad about that one because that's the one you picked, you know? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And and if you shame someone for killing that deer, shame on you. Yeah. (laughs) That's another major pet peeve. You know, I can't stand that. Don't, don't ever question what somebody else decides to shoot. That's not your business. That's their business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've, and the good thing about that is on my social media pages, um, and this is a, uh, um, I guess a reflection of the people who follow me is I haven't seen a lot of that. I haven't, and I think it's going down at in some way you know, throughout all the social media. I agree. All the social media is where I think the message of go do what you want, shoot what you want, be happy with what you harvest, and be like, and for you, the person who didn't kill that quote unquote small deer, be happy for them because if they're happy with it, then it's a win for everybody. Absolutely. And I, I, like I yep. said, I think, I think I'm seeing a lot less shaming of shooting small deer than I did, you know, a couple of years ago. I, I agree. I mean, I, I don't have my fingers on the pulse of that real, real type, but I, I agree. I think people are starting to get kind of a reality check. I think, I think with the popularity of, of whitetail hunting and then hunting mature whitetails, you know, it kind of started, I would say late eighties, early nineties, and it just kind of built and built and built and built and built. And then I think we kind of got to a point where everybody was like, okay, you know, (laughs) it it really, you know, realistically it can't go a lot higher. And so now I think it's kind of, and you know, those things tend to kind of self-adjust and boy, I hope that's the case. Cause I mean, holy cow, I mean, hunting deer, it's not curing cancer. So it's not, it's not important. It's just fun, you know? (laughs) So let's embrace it for what it is. And, you know, um, if you, and if you achieve your personal goal for the year, then, man alive that's no one would be happier for you than me and i think a lot of that actually has to do with the internet and with social media where beforehand you know like you said in in you know when the big buck craze really blew up and you know you had the um, magazines and you had the television and that was really the only places that you got exactly got your content so of course, the only thing they're going to show is big deer. And then right. with, with the internet and more content, more relatable content coming out, you you see that that those people who are killing those deer are the 1%, right? Who have the gigantic exactly. farms, the food plots, the, the ability to pass a five-year-old 170-inch deer that nobody right. I know would do that, you know? <laughs> present company included <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah yeah well no i i totally i totally agree yeah it's uh it's and thank goodness yeah so yeah you i mean you're so you're hearing for you're basically hearing from joe Lunchbucket, which is i mean that's you know when i write that's who i write for i mean i you know we don't we don't need to tell you know the three thousand acre um, North Missouri guy, how to kill big deer. He's, he's got that figured out on his own, I think. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, Hey man, I appreciate you taking time to hop on the podcast chat again. And, uh, let me wish you good luck the rest of your season. You too, my friend. It's always an honor to be here. And, uh, yeah, let's, uh, anytime you want to talk deer, you just give me a holler. 
And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another podcast in the books. Huge shout out to Scott for hopping on and uh, chatting with us today. Really appreciate his time. Huge shout out to each and every one of you who has made this podcast and the Sportsman's Nation what it is today. Go check out all the social media. I mean, there's a ton of community type stuff that goes on on not only the Nine Finger Chronicle Facebook page and Instagram pages, but the Sportsman's Nation Facebook page and Instagram page as well. Sign up for that. Huge shout out to the partners of this podcast. Exodus, Wasp, Lone Wolf, Deer Lab, Prime, Ripcord, Ozonics, and Hunter Safety System. I'm telling you guys, if you haven't had the opportunity to go out and support those companies, please do so. It would mean a lot to me because they support this podcast and this network, and I really appreciate that. Um, that's, that's big to me. So, I don't know what else to say. Thank you. Uh it's the rut. I mean, the rut's coming. I, I can almost hear it in the distance. It's like a train. It's like this slowly moving train. And by the time it gets to you, just as fast as it gets here, it's gone. So take the proper precautions, prepare for it the right way, be safe. And if you're going to be in a tree, our friends at Hunter Safety Systems are reminding you to please wear your damn safety harness. Have a good week.